We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Scales down the ball, O'Donnell the hole from the right hash, angle to the left, good placement, boot by Eddie Pinheiro, kick to the uprights, and the kick is good for the win. Pinheiro with the narrow kick. To send Denver down as time expires. Bears 16, Denver 14. They escape with a victory on the road. And welcome into the Bear Report podcast, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats studio. That audio clip you just heard was the Bears' mile-high miracle. Eddie Pinero drilling a 53-yard field goal to avoid an 0-2 start for the Bears to the season. Instead, they are 1-1. I'm one of your co-hosts, Zach Pearson. I am joined, as always, by Aaron Lemming. Man, Aaron, after listening to that clip, how fired up does that get you with Panero draining that 53-yarder, man? Let me say one thing. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I know that, that that might offend a certain Chicago uh, Tribune columnist. I, I can't even remember the guy's name right now that wrote some ridiculous column today. It's like, I don't know, man. It, it, it's... It, I, I thought I thought the kick was awesome. It's like everybody believes different things, you know, whatever. But the that that article, man, that kind of that kind of blew my mind a little bit. But on the plus side, the Bears have a freaking kicker, man. Like I, I almost about damn it. time. Yeah, all right. So it's 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 like, and I don't know how you were. And like I said, this wasn't a hindsight move at all. But I don't know how you were. But when he, when they got in the field goal position, and I saw it was a 53 yard, I was like, I. I think Pinero's got this. Like, I actually, for whatever reason, I wasn't that nervous. How about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I was a little nervous. I can't lie and say I wasn't just because, you know, of what happened last season. And, and this was his biggest kick so far of his whole entire career. I mean, this was it. This was money in the line, one second left. But, you know, when he drained it, I felt really confident when it was, it was going through. You know, right when I lost his foot, I was like, okay, yep. It looks like a good kick. It's, it's going to go in. And, and thank goodness it went in. Yeah, that, yeah, well, I mean, and I, I tweeted something, I think it was like Monday, so I guess it was yesterday, it feels like a much longer week than just Tuesday right now, uh, but I tweeted something out yesterday, it basically said, you know, the, the difference between 31 seconds and a 53-yard field goal is, is massive for the Bears right now. Um, I had predicted the Bears to lose the game, so I'm 0-2 on my pick so far this year, so that's that's nice, uh, at least I got that going for me, I guess, but I... 
it wasn't it was more one of those things I expected the Bears to lose. Uh, but if they would have lost the way that they lost, you know, pretty much leading almost the entire game and then all of a sudden giving giving the lead up with 31 seconds left to go and losing on a two point conversion like that. And especially with his gas as his defense was. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I, I really think that would have been that would have been it. I mean, historically speaking, teams that go zero two anyway to start off zero two have a thirteen percent chance of making the playoffs. Yes, the Colts did that last year. They actually went zero uh, the Colts. Sorry, I think it was the Texans. Yeah, the Texans went zero uh, three to start off last year. They made the playoffs at eleven and five. But usually, I mean, those are, those are the outlier situations, and this is going all the way back to nineteen ninety, uh, which thirteen percent of the teams you know that make the playoffs have start off with an zero two record. So. To say to say that a one and one start, uh, it's it's almost kind of like last year. Like I mean, uh, there's there's some similarities to last year in my mind because I think when you're when you're really kind of looking at this and you're kind of diagnosing what's going on, I mean, it it hasn't been pretty. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I mean, obviously the Bears only gave up 14 points, they gave up one touchdown, um, but at the same time, I didn't think their defense really played that well. Uh, obviously, we'll get to that, the offense and all that stuff, but. Again, I, I don't think I can under or overstate the importance of how big of a win that was for the Bears. One, because they know they have a field goal kicker. Two, because Trubisky actually did something positive, which which is nice. And then three, just because, again, they're not starting off 0-2. They're now 1-1. One one. They've got the Redskins. They've got the Vikings at home, which they've historically done very well against. And then they have the Raiders going, you know, before going in the bye week and even out of the bye week. Uh, they, they have a, a you know, New Orleans team that's probably not going to have Drew Brees. So, I mean— the the reality is, I mean, even for as bad as they played to this point so far, I mean, I three and I'd say three and two, four and one going to the bye is still somewhat realistic. Um, and like I said, at least three and two. I mean, and that still puts them in decent shape. Obviously, the, the the Packers have looked pretty good. The Vikings have been kind of you know uneven, and the the Lions have been surprisingly decent as well. But the Bears are still in this thing, and I think that's the most important thing right now. Going zero and two would have really kind of I only say kind of, it would have almost all but pretty much killed the playoff folks, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the difference between, you know, with that kick, if he misses that kick, they're 0-2, the morale is probably down. Um, yeah, you might say the defense gets a little more frustrated with the offense's performance. Matt Nagy's, you know, answering even more questions about the offense and what the heck went on. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad he made that kick because getting to 1-1 with another road game coming up is huge. And, and like you said, now you're looking down the line to week five and six, you know, after the bye week, after they go to London. I mean, there's there's possibility they could be four and one, three and two. Um, there's also the possibility they could be two and three or, or heck, even one and four. But, I mean, yeah, it was huge. And, and just for the way that, you know, how it all went down where, you know, the defense just looked gassed in that fourth quarter. I mean, they just – they were on the field, I believe it was 35 snaps in the fourth quarter alone. And I kind of did a quick – uh time of possession in the fourth quarter, the Bears defense was on the field 11 plus minutes out of the 15, which is insane because granted the offense couldn't establish a drive. Um, and that final drive was only 30 seconds. So I think the offense had um, three drives in the fourth quarter, maybe two, I think one blood into the fourth or something like that, but it was just, you know, the drive they had to kind of put it away before that they could have put it away you know, they failed miserably on. They think they went three and out. They had a short completion on third down. But, yeah, man, Eddie Pinero, the stones on that guy, it's just great because, you know, you know, you and I talked all offseason. It seems like every podcast episode, it was a kicker update. Um, 
you know, what's going on with the kicker? The Bears ever going to find a kicker? And then finally, Eddie Pinero delivers. He's four for four. He's got what I think it's two field goals of 50 plus already in the year. And he, and this is a crazy stat. He's actually got two. He's a first Bears kicker since 2011 to have two field goals of 50 plus yards in the same game. Um, and it was Robbie Gold who did it for the Bears last time in 2011. I think Kevin Butler did it once in like 1990. And it's just, you know, if you look back all these years, you know, hitting those 50 yard field goals is kind of you know, underrated. Not a lot of people think about the kicking game, but. I mean, that's huge to have a kicker go out there and be able to drain a 53-yarder and a 52-yarder. I mean, that's that's definitely big for his confidence, but also the entire team and, and coaching as well. Well, and to kind of kind of feed off that point a little bit, I'm kind of curious to get your perspective on this because even in real time, I was sitting there thinking it's like, like you pointed out, the Bears' defense was on the field for over 11 minutes in that fourth quarter. They didn't look good. They looked gassed. I mean, obviously, it, it was expected. I mean, you're, you're talking about elevate. We, we talked about this. Elevation was going to be an issue for the Bears. There's a reason that the Broncos were 51-8-2 since the merger in 1972 at home during the first two games of the season. I mean, there, there was a reason for that, and it's usually because it's still hot. It's a little humid. And the elevation is just a big factor. And, you know, the Bears offense crapped the bed. I mean, they had they had two different opportunities where they could have easily have done something with those drives to keep their defense off the field. They didn't do it. But this is a question I have for you because this is something I've been thinking about kind of with that in mind with, you know, the time of possession and how exhausted the defense was. I actually think that that Vic Fangio did the Bears a big big favor by going for that two-point conversion because I personally believe and I'm again I'm, I want to get your perspective on this I personally believe that if uh was a Brandon McManus would have kicked the you know kicked the extra point before all the craziness happened if you just kick the extra point it goes through they're tied up at 13 uh I think that the Bears take it easy they go into overtime and much like that Miami game I don't think they win it I mean am I wrong for feeling that way because it just felt no. like it's trending that way I agree I I agree 100 he makes that kick the Bears are sitting on the ball three times, going into overtime, playing for overtime, and then and then I think they lose. I think it's gonna be the exact way. I think either Flacco marches them down the field, or the Bears get the off they get the ball first and, and maybe go three and out or can't sustain a drive. And Denver comes down and like, you know, it'd be it'd just be so perfect. They come down and kick like a 61 yarder to win and send the Bears to on too. So yeah, I mean I agree. I think Fangio did a favor there, and um, I mean I guess you can kind of credit Buster Screen there for. Uh, going off sides yeah i mean in a sense I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was just a re- it was a really weird thing because it was what was it originally it was a false start and then screen goes yep. off sides but it's one of those things like i don't know if i'm going to credit screen going off sides because it's like mcmanus missed the kick i mean they, they could have gone for the the uh the onside kick afterwards and you know maybe could have got it but i don't you know the, the likelihood of that happening was much less it's under it's like under like seven percent chance exactly so i mean yeah i don't know it was just one of those weird situations but again i'm just glad that that fangio went for it push it which is i understand he's a first year coach uh you know he's trying to get the win at home but that's not usually a move that home teams make usually it's the road uh teams that will will make those calls late in the game like that because they don't want to go on overtime at you know in a in an opposing stadium so i thought it was kind of a weird call but again i think it was I think it benefited the Bears because, again, if they, if they miss the kick or they miss the two-point conversion, the Bears win the game. 
Um, and then obviously because they still had 31 seconds left, uh, they were able to go down and, you know, Trubisky had the big throw. They got down and, and Eddie Pinheiro won the game. But man, I'll tell you what, it was a wave of emotion. I don't know how your phone was and how your mentions were on Twitter, but I was getting texts left and right. People are freaking out. The season's over. Nagy needs to go. Trubisky's done. This is stupid. I can't believe this team. How could they, you know, and then it was all of a sudden I didn't respond back to any of it because it's just like at that point I, I was having similar thoughts in terms of, well, this season's over and what the hell happened. And then all of a sudden they go back down the field and they, you know, obviously they win the game. But it was amazing the the roller coaster of emotions going from, I mean, the Bears were up 10 points. They were up 13 to 3 at one point. And it looked like they had full control of the game. And then all of a sudden you, you kind of start seeing things slip away a little bit. You saw that the defense just just pretty much fell flat on their face because they were exhausted. The other, the other thing I kind of want to point out before we move on from, you know, this subject in general is just that I don't think that this is a game that the Bears would have won this time last year. Uh, I really don't. And, and I think that, you know, we kind of saw it even from Trubisky last year in week one where they, they had a similar opportunity against the Packers in week one and they didn't do it. And, and even really against Miami. And, and I think there's a, there's a multitude of different levels that kind of go into this. One is obviously having the right kicker in Pinheiro. Uh, and then obviously two is just the fact that they're a little bit more experienced. I think they're a little bit more resilient and for as negative as the season has started or, you know, for as questionable as it has been so far, I mean, they really haven't looked that good. Uh, I also think that Bears fans should take some solace in knowing that this team is more experienced. They have the talent. Uh, you, you know, obviously you got to hope they get things figured out on offense, and that's something we'll touch on. But it's one of those – they're going to be one of those teams that regardless of if they lose a game, it's still not going to be an easy – it's not going to be an easy win for another team. And I think that throughout the season – uh, you know, some of these close wins that they have, some of these close games, and as long as they pull out the wins, I actually think it's going to be big for them. And if they do get back into the playoffs, if they're facing another situation, not only, you know, at least as of right now, they'll be able to trust their kicker, Eddie Pinheiro, but two, they'll be a little bit more confidence from the fan base knowing that the, the Bears can come back and win games and they can do it with a short amount of time. I mean, that's you don't see, you don't see that kind of drive from bad, bad teams. No, I mean, like what Matt Nagy said in his post-game speech, all we need is one second in the ball, and we're going to win. And, I mean, that's exactly what happened. They got the one second. Very heads up by Trubisky. I mean, you can say he played bad, which is true. I think he did play bad against the uh, Broncos. Well, okay, I'll, I'll get into that later. But, um, you know, the alertness to kind of make that, to step up in the pocket, find Robinson, know, okay, I got to call timeout with one second left. And the NFL reviewed it. They said it was correct. They should have had the one second left, no matter how much uh, – Derek Wolf and Vic Fangio want to say there was not one second left. The NFL actually said there's one second left. But even, I mean, look at that drive. Okay, they got aided by the the by the um, pass interference penalty, which was not a pass interference, or not pass interference, I'm sorry, roughing the passer, which was not roughing the passer. But the Bears also had two that didn't go their way either. Um, and then to not use your timeout right away. And they had still that timeout in their back pocket. I think the first two attempts were right to the sideline, which is exactly what you have to do. And I have no idea why the Broncos are not playing the sideline there. I mean, I get it. The Bears do have one timeout, and you still got to play the middle. But, like, it's like it felt like the Broncos were just no, were just big cushion, let them have the sideline. And it, I guess it kind of backfired. And thank God the Bears did have that one timeout um, to kind of hold them. But, I, I mean, I agree there that, you know, this but team, I don't – oh, what was are that? Are you surprised? Are you really surprised that a Vic Fangio defense – That's true. That's true. Would lay back <laughs> in a big situation. I mean, it happened all the time with the Bears. I think a lot of people forget that about Vic Fangio. Yeah, I mean, it did. You're right. And and I guess it shouldn't come to a surprise. And and the other thing, too, 
did you? I want to get your thought on this really quick before we get into something else here. They, where was the line? You know how like Fox does that green target line for like Pinero? Did, I think they kept saying it was like 55 yards or whatever his distance. I think the Bears would have trotted him out there from 62, 63. If well, it I came to that. You have to. I, I, yeah. I think they would have got probably right about the probably 42, 43-yard line. You just you stick them out there because, one, you're playing at mile high where every kicker in the world has probably exactly. an extra four or five yards. Exactly. I, I felt like that line that Fox had, this is just nitpicking. I felt like it was like not even like it was just like very generous to like it was a shorter field goal than I expected, you know, because it's like it's always you have to get here for his range. And I felt like that line was like a 50-yard or like 45 to 50 yards, which was really short for me. What was the line even based on? Because that was the thing I kept seeing exactly, it too. Like, yeah. what, is it, what are they basing that on? It's uh, got to be like career. It's It has to be career long and like career averages because, I mean – Nero have one going that's at least what I, going into that game. You only have one NFL kick, so I don't that's know. what I think it was. That's why I think it was so close. It felt just super close to me. Like yeah. it felt like it shouldn't have been because you know the Bears. Obviously, they're not going to put it. You know, to make like a sixty-three yarder the line. They're going to probably put it at the fifty-five, fifty-six. It was just, it was kind of odd, but yeah, I mean, I yeah, I definitely think Panera goes out there for a sixty-three yarder, sixty-four yarder, and um, he made it. Well, that's. Oh, I he mean, had four or I'm five spare. by any means, but it looked like he could have probably hit from sixty-five plus with the amount of distance he had on that kick. Yeah, he had plenty. Of, he had plenty to spare there. So yeah, I mean that was huge, man. It was, you know, my phone like yours. My phone was going off, and I have to kind of keep track on the chat and like Twitter and all this stuff. And I didn't really answer anyone's text or anything. Even even the congrat, you know, not the congratulatory ones. I don't play, but and even the ones that were like very excited um, from friends and family. It was man, it was crazy. It was a crazy. You know, final game minute there. It was just, it was unbelievable. Um, but let's actually get into our three topics. Before we do that, we're going to get into a break, um, our first one of the show. And just a reminder, if you plan on going to any Chicago Bears games this season, use the promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. The Bears return home to play the Minnesota Vikings in Week 4, before going to London and having their buys. If you want to get out there and check out a game at Soldier Field, use that code overtime to save you some money. Let's get to our first break. We'll be right back with our three news topics of the week. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. We're going to get into our three headlines for the show. Um, it can be anything from the Bears to the NFL. We like to mix it in a little bit. Uh, the first one, Aaron, some news out of House Hall today. The media was not there, but Brad Biggs is reporting that the Bears had four players in um, for our tryout today. Four edge rushers, to be specific. Um, First-round pick, former first-round pick, Shane Ray of the Broncos, uh, Noah Spence, Nate Orchard, and Dakota Watson. Um, I, I, I'm going to guess which name, which two names pretty much stand out to you right away, but uh, should we take anything from this? You think the Bears, in your eyes, will make a move to maybe add some death on the edge? I mean, they could definitely – they could afford to do so. I, it is a little interesting just because we know Bilal Nichols has – 
what probably amounts to what a broken wrist is what Matt Nagy said. So uh, yeah, hand injury, something. Yeah, I, I think he, I think he like specifically pointed out the wrist because I, I thought it was interesting because I was thinking hand, okay, you club it up, you're good to go. Wrist, he did uh, obviously that's a little bit different, but you'd almost kind of wonder or almost kind of think that maybe they'd be looking at adding some, uh, you know, some some depth on the defensive line. But I mean, looking at outside linebacker, uh, they've done a pretty good amount of rotation so far this year. I mean, you got to look at it. And, and just see, I mean, the, the Isaiah Irving's been out on the field a decent amount. Aaron Lynch has been out on the field a decent amount. I'm not against that at all, by the way. I'm not I'm not knocking that whatsoever because I actually think it's very smart, and that's something I've been pushing for with Akeem Hicks for a while that Vic Fangio never really did, was you got to keep these guys fresh because you shouldn't just be looking at a 16-game season. You shouldn't just be saying, well, you know, you just got to keep them fresh for 16. you got to be hoping for the playoffs. I mean, uh, you know, so it – I, I, but I think with with the outside linebackers, edge rushers, whatever you want to call them, um, I, I think it's smart. I mean, I know a lot of people seem to be like really over the moon with Shane Ray. I don't see it with him personally. I was much more interested in Noah Spence. Uh, maybe it's just because I really liked Noah Spence coming out of the draft, um, and you know, it came out came out the same year as Leonard Floyd. But um, you know, it, it's one of those things I. I think it's one, it's key to keep in mind that there's a reason that these guys are not on teams right now. I mean, edge rushers don't grow on trees for teams. So the fact that none of these guys have been picked up probably says all it needs to, but I mean, there's still some interesting names and it wouldn't surprise me if one, they're just kind of updating the rosters like they normally do. I mean, usually teams have tryout on tryouts on a weekly basis, usually around this time, but at the same time, I mean, it's kind of one of those, maybe they're not as happy with their edge depth as, as we think they are. I mean, I think what Aaron Lynch has one sack, and I don't think Isaiah Irving's really done much of anything. And they're only carrying—sorry <clears throat> about that—and uh, they're only carrying four on the active roster right now. So I mean, and at least last I checked, James Botters isn't on the practice squad anymore. So I mean, it could be one of those—they're updating the roster and kind of waiting to see, uh, you know, if an injury happens or whatever. Maybe they're looking to make a move. Maybe they're not comfortable with death. I don't know. But I mean, either way, I mean, there's at least some interesting names there. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. And also the thing, you know, the Bears weren't going to make a move in week one because of the short week um, with Green Bay. So I was kind of shocked they didn't make a move last week, essentially. I mean, they did call up um, from the practice squad and um, let go of James Vauders. But, you know, I don't think you're going to stash Shane Ray in the practice squad. But you do have a point, though. I mean, a lot of these guys are not on team for a reason. So we'll be, it'll be curious to see if one of these guys sticks and if the Bears are trying to add some depth on the uh, – edge position because they are carrying how many they're carrying how many inside linebackers six right yeah they still got yeah. six which still makes no sense to me and and i'm pretty sure they've all been active for the most part i think at least five yeah. of the six have been active each week yeah and you know to your rotation point i i do like what the bears are doing and i i think aaron lynch has been pretty good this year i don't know if it's maybe just me i i just i, don't, I haven't noticed a bad play from him yet and i think he's been in, in on a sack and had um maybe a couple pressures but yeah, we'll have to see if the Bears do make a move with one of these guys. Obviously, Ray and uh, Noah Spence, the two big names there that uh, are kind of intriguing for everyone. They did their draft homework uh, when they were coming out as edge rushers. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. The other thing, uh, we'll go into our second topic here. Let's go more NFL-wise. It seems like everyone is just trying to demand a trade and get a trade out, and they want to win. I understand you want to win, but um, we saw Minka Fitzpatrick get traded from Miami to Pittsburgh for a first round pick. The Dolphins now three first round picks. Um, 
that they look like they're going to go for one and 15, two and 14 and probably have the number one pick in the draft. They could have two first round picks when it's all said and done, or two top 10 picks in the first round when it's all said and done at the end of the season. But now um, Jaguars defensive back Jalen Ramsey wants a trade and wants to get out of uh, Jacksonville. And the asking price is reportedly at least a first round pick. And there's been one AFC and one NFC team, according to report out today. Um, and then I also saw something else that a couple accounts were floating around that the Bears would be interested. No, the Bears are not going to be interested in Jalen Ramsey. They're not going to give up any draft capital for Jalen Ramsey, and they're not going to be able to pay him after that. So it's pointless. Aaron, what are your kind of your thoughts on these guys uh, kind of asking out for trades and, and how it's kind of gone down? Now, and even uh, Jamal Adams is rumored to – well, he unfollowed the Jets on Instagram, so I don't really know if it's a report out yet that he wants to leave New York or what's going on. But what are kind of your thoughts on this uh, – What's going on in the NFL right now with these defensive backs? I mean, I think I'm always going to side more with the players. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where people can say, well, these guys need to stick out their contracts, blah, 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 blah. I don't particularly agree with that, and I don't agree with that for one reason, because if that was the case, then why aren't all players getting fully guaranteed contracts? And, you know, it's it's easy from a team to move on from a player, and nobody questions it. But when a, when a player wants to move on from a team, then all of a sudden it's a bigger issue. Uh, what I will say just specifically about some of these guys, the Minka Fitzpatrick trade uh, makes no sense to me, period. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is a really damn good player with a lot of good versatility. Um, he's also going into his second year and was a high pick last year. And the Miami Dolphins are in the middle of a rebuild. Why are you trading one of your best defensive players? That doesn't make any sense to me. You're in the middle of a rebuild. That's the kind of guy that you want to hold on to. Then for the Steelers, I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, why are you trading for a defensive back when your starting quarterback is out for the entire year and you've got Mason Rudolph starting at quarterback and your own, too? Like, your your season's probably already done. I mean, we, we already went over the whole 0-2 thing and, and all that stuff, and I'm sorry, but I don't see how, uh, you know, a, a, a no and 2 Steelers team without their starting quarterback, without Le'Veon Bell, without uh, – Without Antonio Brown and all the other stuff that's gone on, it's not like they were a playoff team last year either. They actually choked down the stretch. I mean, I just don't see how they're going to be a playoff team, especially with the way the Ravens are looking. I think the Browns are going to get better. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. But I, I think with like guys like Jalen Ramsey, I mean, it, it again, I mean, it's kind of one of those things like him and Doug Marone got into it on the sideline on Sunday. Like they went after each other on the sideline, and usually at that point when that happens, it's done. Jalen Ramsey's a very flamboyant personality. He's a lot like a lot of players in this league, like an Antonio Brown, um, guys like that, where he's he's very like like I said. I mean, the best way to describe it is he's very flamboyant. Some people will say ignorant. Some people will say fun. I mean, he's just a very loud guy, but he's a he's an excellent player. He's one of the top corners in the league. But again, like you pointed out, especially when you're looking at it from maybe a Bears perspective, you're talking about a guy that is going to command huge money. The Bears can't afford to pay that. That's a thing. That's, I think this is kind of a nice little reminder to some Bears fans that, no, the Bears aren't going to be in on a lot of these guys because they just made their move last year with a guy like Khalil Mack. They still got to play. They, they still have to pay players. Um, they still need to figure out if Mitchell Trubisky is going to be their quarterback of the future because obviously that brings up a, and a whole nother thing. We don't need to get into any of that because it's too early to talk about that. But there's still some questions there for the Bears in terms of who they need to pay, all that stuff. And they don't really have that much money to begin with. Yeah, they still have $18 million. A lot of that's going to be rolled over in the next year because of tight against cap again. It doesn't make any sense for the Bears. But again, my overall thought on just 
these players demanding trades in, in general is again it's it's easy for a team to trade a player and make that decision to trade a player it's easy for a team to say you know what we're going to cut a player like Aaron Colvin for example that just happened with Jacksonville he still had I think it was like nine or ten million dollars guaranteed left on his contract that he just signed last year uh, and there's all sorts of players that get cut all the time that you know, again, the team has control. The team's the one making the decision. So why are we faulting players for making that same decision, especially when you're looking at Miami? I mean, you said you, you think they may be 1-15, and 2-14. If they continue to play the way that they're playing right now, they're not going to win a game. They're easily going to go down as the worst team in NFL history. And the, the Jaguars have been a sinking ship since last year. So I don't know if I particularly blame uh, Ramsey either. Here's why I say 1-15 for the Dolphins. They still have two games against the Jets, and I think the Jets are awful too. So I think Miami's got a chance to squeak one out. But I'm with you. I think Miami's going to have the number one pick. Um, the Jets will be right behind them at number two or number three. And the, those two teams are just a mess. I mean, an absolute mess. So, yeah, I, I I actually understood the trade more from the Dolphin side than I obviously did from the Steelers side. I could I, – I could, Get the angle of, yeah, we're trying to rebuild. But like you said, Micah Fitzpatrick was just taken the first round. Literally. I mean, not that long ago. So, you know, if you're going to rebuild and you want to keep a corner like that, you, you're you going to need something on your defense to build around. However, you know, if you are going to rebuild and you want to stock the first round picks, I can kind of get it. I absolutely cannot get it from Pittsburgh's side. I mean, they're what? They're the third best team in that division. Maybe the, maybe the Bengals might be better than them too. That's with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. So, yeah, I, I don't get it because – you know, the Steelers are going to need a quarterback as well down the road. I think this injury to Big Ben could, you know, potentially end his career. Or, you know, if not, it'll be, he'll be done within two years anyway. I really don't think Mason Rudolph's a guy. I mean, feel free to prove me wrong. Go ahead. But if you're going to have to draft a quarterback, you're going to need those first-round picks. So that was just an awful, awful trade in my eyes for the uh, Steelers. Let's go into our third topic, and this is going to kind of lead into um, the Bears game on Monday night. and get, We'll kind of get our preview on that, too. Have you seen this? Um, so it's from the Fan DC, and it's kind of talking about how the Redskins have had, you know, a hard time getting their own fans into the stadium and being super loud. And the latest example was Saturday or last Sunday's game, week two, when the Dallas Cowboys were in town, and it was just a sea of blue um, at FedEx Field. That's actually how the article starts. It was a sea of blue at FedEx Field on Sunday, and they interviewed Redskins tackle Morgan Moses. About, you know, kind of, uh, you know, did you notice that the, the the stadium was pretty much filled with Cowboy fans? And he goes, obviously, it's hard when you're playing a home game and the away team is outnumbering you in fans, which is just incredible because the Redskins have a large following. Um, they're not good. It's a big stadium, though. And that kind of gets me to my point now. Monday night could actually feel like a, a home environment for the Bears. We know Bears fans travel well. Bears fans are all over the country. How wild would that be if Bears fans could fill that stadium to the majority compared to the Redskins? It honestly wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I just kind of go back to the Arizona game last year that I was actually at. I mean, there were more Bears fans than there were Cardinals fans. And it was amazing just some of the – well, even honestly, even the 49ers and Bears, uh, week 16, I was at that game as well. And just talking to different fans, uh, opposing fans, and every single one of them is asking the same question, where the hell did you guys come from? Like, where – like, we've never seen this, especially for a team like the 49ers. Like, 49ers fans are very prideful people. Um, <clears throat> I've got my own thoughts on my dealings with them over the years, at, especially at Candlestick. Um, but 
they were very prideful fans. There's a lot of there's a lot of fans. I mean, they definitely, uh, in terms of you know, at least over there, I would say that they have the upper hand on Raiders fans. It's always kind of been that way to me, at least. Um, but it's it it honestly wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the Bears are still. I mean, they're they're coming off a 12 and four season. They're one and one right now. I think the optimism is still somewhat high. I mean, there's obviously some concern, but the optimism is still high that the Bears are going to be a good team this year. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I've actually seen a few people talk about it on Twitter that they are going to be at the game. So, um, you know, it, 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 it wouldn't surprise me. It would be pretty cool. But again, much like the, the, the Arizona game last year, I mean, the, the Bears fans kind of ran that stadium and they barely won that game. So it's just, it's going to be weird because, and I guess, you know, I, I guess I'll let you say what you want to say on it. Um, because I, I think it kind of leads into a bigger point when we're kind of looking at the historic figures of, how the Redskins have done on Monday Night Football, how the Bears have done against the Redskins in recent history. I think it's going to be an interesting game just from that factor because a lot of historic uh, stats are kind of flying in each other's faces right now. Yeah, it's – I mean, it's it's a road game. It's obviously a road game for the Bears, and it's nationally televised, which Trubisky has struggled um, in his career so far when he's been the lone primetime game. But I think it's interesting because I think the Bears have a legit shot of, of that game feeling like a home – environment just because of the struggles that the Redskins are having they're not a good team um you know a lot of the fans I kind of see are not happy with uh, Dan Snyder as an owner um maybe there's some protesting going on that they that they just won't spend the money won't show up for um games to kind of prove their point it's not gonna that's not gonna bother Dan Snyder at all he's filthy rich so yeah I mean if Bears fans are out in that area and can take advantage of lower ticket prices in the secondary market or even through the team definitely go ahead because you know, the more you can make it feel like a soldier field environment, a home field environment for the Bears, I mean, I think that definitely impacts them, especially going on the road. You know, if you have your fans there, kind of build off that energy. Um, I haven't really done too much into – this article actually just popped up before we started recording. So I haven't really done too much research on how the Redskins, um, you know, home numbers have been over the years with attendance. But, I mean, I, I'm looking at this picture. Jesus, I mean, it's all Cowboys fans in the stands which is insane, and I think it'll be the same with the Bears. Let's actually uh, – do you want to save those numbers? I know you got the numbers for the primetime games for the Redskins, right? Yeah, so – Do you want to I... save it for – you want to hit a break and then go into the preview then? Yeah, let's do that then. Yeah, let's let's okay. hit a break, and then we can just dive right into it and try to spit some positivity on this game and all that fun stuff. Yeah, let's hit our first break – or second break. Crap, second break of the show – and uh, we'll be right back with our preview of the uh, Bears-Redskins game. And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. Aaron, let's get into this. Uh, I kind of want to get, you know, if you had any thoughts on uh, Monday night's game or last Sunday's game with the uh, Bears. I know there's still some concerns about the offense. Um, but, yeah, let's get into it. I mean, the Bears are 1-1. One one. They're going into this game against the 0-2 Redskins. It's a road game. This is a game you should win, though. You should be two and one coming out coming out of this game out of uh, the three weeks here. What are kind of your opening thoughts on uh, Monday's matchup with the Redskins? I think it's it's one of those where I think the the Redskins are obviously trending in a rebuilding direction, and the Bears are still should be trending in the direction of we need to get our crap together, but we're way too good of a team to be playing this badly. I, I think that's really what this comes down to. So. It, it's weird though because like i said this isn't one of those games where like last week you know i, I kind of pounded home and obviously i ended up being wrong uh thanks to that last second field goal but i kind of pounded home how good the broncos have been at home in the first two weeks of the season um now 
I'm looking at some. I've been looking at some numbers just because I'm always kind of interested in how trends go. And the Redskins at home on Monday Night Football have been terrible since 1998. They're one and 1-17, which is incredible to me. Like how 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 does that even happen? But what's weird to me is when you actually look at the the head to head. You know, not not counting home and away, but just the head to head in general with the Redskins and the Bears. The Redskins have actually owned the Bears. I, I should say owned the Bears. They've all been very very close games. Like looking back. Um, you know, kind of the, the basically the last time the Bears beat the Redskins was 2003, and the last time that the Bears beat the Redskins in Washington was 2001. But I mean, just check out some of these scores. You got 13 10, 9 to 7, 24 16, 17 14. Then you had the one game, uh, you know, the, the and I'm sure everybody remembers the uh, the Jay Cutler torn groin game where. McCown came in. They traded back and forth. I think it was right after they came out of that bye. It was a 45-41 game. It was a 24-21 game, and then Redskins smoked them last time. But the last time that the Bears beat the Redskins was the game, and I don't know if people will remember this, but it was the game where uh, they did a fake field goal, and Brian Urlacher caught the touchdown pass. I mean, that, that just gives you an idea how long. 2003, right? 2003. That's been how long it's been since the Bears have beat the Redskins in general. So, it's one of those, it's weird because, like I said, the trends of, you know, the Monday Night Football, especially for them, uh, for the Redskins and all that stuff, and the Bears are 6-1 and one, um, on Monday Night Football since 2010. I just kind of thought I'd throw that in there as well. So it's just kind of interesting to see the, the trends and what's going on. And in, in some ways, it'll be kind of interesting to see if the Bears can buck another historic trend in terms of just how bad they've been um, against the against the Redskins over, you know, basically almost two, uh, what is that, two decades now? Yeah, um, and actually, from those games, I do remember. So the, what was it? The the 2007 game that the Bears lost, that was, um, I don't want to make, I want to make sure I get this right. Yeah, that was, I think that was the first game at home for the Redskins. It was a Thursday night. It was the first game after Sean Taylor's death. It was the first home game. They lost, it was like a Thursday night game. It was like, tw- here, I'm like, okay, 24-16, yeah. Yeah. And it was, um... Man, who was the quarterback? I can't even think of the quarterback. It was one of the bad ones because Grossman and Orton were hurt, both hurt. I don't know, maybe it was Grossman. Yeah, and the Bears kind of just blew it. They lost 24-16. And then there was the blowout um, Christmas Eve a couple years ago where Kirk Cousins just threw all over the Bears. And then they had um, the John Fox's first year. They are kind of still in playoff contention at the end. I think it was. Was that 2015 or 16? Whatever it was. It was 2015 when they lost by three points. Yeah, I, there was something wacky about that game too. I remember. Um, yeah, I just kind of. They've always been weird games. They've just always been weird yeah. games. Somehow Washington always somehow pulls it out. I don't know what it is. Even that that McCown game where covered for his groin in 2013. Yeah, that was the one. Remember, Alshon Jeffrey got destroyed on a catch on the sideline. Do you they, remember that? Vaguely. Yeah, he made a deep catch, and I think someone took a late hit on him, and he had to leave the game. Brandon Merriweather. It was back when Brandon Merriweather. It was, yes, it was Brandon Merriweather, yes. Oh, I remember that. And blasted Brandon Marshall in the face in the end zone. He finally got called for a penalty. Yes, I, I, actually, I remember that because I got invited to, like, a Verizon, like, meet and greet with Alshon Jeffrey, and it was, like, two days after, and, like, fans were like allowed to ask questions and someone asked him about that. And he's like, I, don't, I forgot what he said, but it was, 
it was like just kind of odd to see him like get asked that question and like after he like almost got decapitated, I believe it was. Um, but yeah, then they had, you know you had 2005, the Redskins win nine to seven. Um, then you have 2004, the Redskins win 13 10. Yeah, it, it's just been odd. It's been an odd series history, but I, I like the Bears' chances. They're going into the game as favorites, according to Vegas. I like the Bears' chances on Monday night, and, and it's a primetime game, and you know what that means, right? That means that it's another chance for Mitchell Trubisky to show up and give the national media something positive to talk about because, like you said on the last podcast, you brought this up. Bears fans love to get mad at the national media when they when they rip Trubisky, but you got to remember the national media is not watching the Sunday 12 o'clock games at Soldier Field or at wherever. They're watching the national games, the Thursday night games. They're watching the Sunday night games. They're watching the Monday night games and the occasional Saturday game that's sprinkled in every uh, couple years. You know, this is another chance for Mitchell Trubisky to give the national media something good to talk about because right now he's been bad. He's been flat out bad. I think he did his job on Sunday as a game manager because what I saw was Matt Nagy saying, all right, don't go, don't screw this up. We're going to put you in, in situations where, you know, you can excel with high percentage throws. He kind of missed a few throws, but they kind of dialed back that playbook. I think this is a chance for them to maybe open it up a little bit. I don't like Washington secondary. I think you can exploit them. They have good pass rushers, but this is another opportunity for Trubisky to go out there and give, give the media something positive to talk about. Well, this is kind of the the game that I've pointed to is, you know, if they're going to follow that, the, you know, a similar timeline to last year, right? You know, last year was week three against Arizona. Trubisky looked bad. I was at that game. I watched every second of it. I was at, in a spot where I was able to watch everything unfold. He looked terrible. And I won't lie. I mean, I left that game like, you know, that, that was actually the first time that the Bears have been in first place in like three or four years or four or five years maybe. It, it I think it – been even longer than that and but it was one of those like I was back at the hotel and I'm just sitting there thinking I'm like man you know this just there's just something that doesn't feel right Trubisky's got to get it figured out and then he comes out against Tampa Bay and just destroys him I mean we all know he went for six touchdowns over 300 yards so on and so forth this is the kind of maybe not quite as bad of a of a defense but this is exactly the kind of defense that Trubisky needs to see and obviously it's on Monday night um, so that'll be somewhat interesting just to see how he performs but like you said i mean this is it this is this is his opportunity to come out and really you know kind of silence things a little bit you know matt nagy needs to open it up the the you know the redskins have given up i think they're averaging right around 30 points a game that they've been giving up uh as far as pass defense goes they've been awful um they've got i think it's like five five or seven QB hits on the entire year. I mean, it's almost been as bad as uh, almost been as bad as Denver in terms of they're just not getting the quarterback. They're not affecting the quarterback. This is exactly the kind of game that Trubisky and the offense should be able to use and get things figured out. And that's why, for as is as skeptical as I am of this offense right now, and as for as disappointed of a start as I am for the you know that they've had, I'm I'm still looking at them saying, okay, the Bears still have a chance to get the offense figured out, especially going into Minnesota or against Minnesota, should I say, and then against the, you know, the Raiders as well, they have a chance to get this figured out. And I think this is the perfect game to do it against. I'm not going to say if he doesn't figure it out now, he's not going to, but what I will say is if he doesn't, if he doesn't perform like he should, and I'm not saying he needs to go and have the Tampa Bay game or the, or the lions game from last year. I'm simply saying, go out there 
get, you know, two or three touchdowns, get 250, 300 yards, look competent, <clears throat> look confident, more the point, I, I think would be the, the bigger, bigger thing there. And just look like a quarterback that belongs in the top half of the league in terms of talking about quarterbacks. And, and if he can do that, I think that can really help. And, and I mean, maybe it's just, maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part, but I, I feel like that, that throw, that last throw of the game against Denver, Hopefully we'll build a little bit of confidence for him. I mean, I, I hate that we're even talking about this in year three, but here we are. Hopefully he can get it figured out. I mean, it, but again, this is this is a game where he should. I, I'm not saying if he doesn't, then all hope is lost. But this is definitely the game where the offense should coming should come out firing on all cylinders, whether it's whether it's the run, whether it's the pass. This is a game. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you because, like I said before, I mean. Matt Nagy's game plan to me, he ran the bar, he ran the ball more, he got that memo, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like the playbook was kind of open for Trubisky. It just felt like, you know, he had to like just do his job, be a game manager, don't screw things up. Which, you know, in the long term, that's really not a good sign because all offseason you talked about, oh yeah, Mitch has progressed, the offense has graduated, we're ready. This offense year 202, um, we need to get things going, and then now it's through two weeks, and we still have the same questions about Trubisky and his progression in this offense. I do think he, you know, he had some good throws. I thought I liked, I actually liked the throw to Cohen. I thought it was right in the breadbasket, and the defender just made a better play. He was like kind of like you know, that old saying, "Good offense, better defense." The throw to Gabriel, you have to make. And that play is designed. If you go back and watch that play, that play is designed for Gabriel to be open right there, and you have to hit that read. And I think he overthrew him a little bit. I, I've seen on Twitter that Gabriel needs to stop being 5'7", and you need tall receivers out there. That's not the problem. Mitch could still there, – there was like no defender within five, six yards of him. So I'm with you in the end too. I think, you know, that last throw he made, like if you watch it, what do you do? He kept his head up. He looked downfield. He felt the pressure. He got out of the pocket, stepped up and threw a strike, and then was alert enough to call a timeout. Hopefully that, you know, can carry over into this game. He starts making better throws. I'm just going to be interested to see um, kind of what the what the game plan will be for against the Redskins. Because if you watch Denver, I mean, they tried to, you know, you know not let Von Miller and Bradley Chubb impact the game. Short, quick throws, a lot of runs, um, plays designed like that. So if they come out and they maybe open up the playbook a little more and let Trubisky throw it on field, I'd like that. He's just he's still got to make the throws. But, you know, for this game, I just think this is one – nothing on the Redskins – like there's not one position that scares me essentially on the Redskins defense or offense. I think, you know, the Bears should win this game. They are favorites. Um, they should leave Washington 2-1, and one and and hopefully it's not even close. Hopefully the Bears come out and just blow them out right away. Well, and I think it is worth noting at least that Case Keenum's slinging right now. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's definitely still throwing interceptions because that's just Case Keenum. But, I mean, he's – it's not like he's going out throwing for 150, 200 yards a game. I mean, he's going out throwing a lot. Uh, so, and the other kind of yeah, but but the also the thing to think about is, I mean, they've been trailing in the second. Well, they trailed in the second half. They they had the lead on Philly early, but they've been throwing a lot in the second half to play comeback in their two games. So, I mean, I I agree. I I yeah. I don't say take it for granted. It, you know, Case Keenum isn't a rookie quarterback. He can still beat you. I just. I don't. Nothing really scares me that offense at all. No, and it doesn't me either. I, I think uh, you know it's just going to be one of those. The Redskins have started 
started off quick in both games and then faded as the game's gone on. So I think the big thing for the Bears, one, is to get off to a good offensive start. There's no reason that they can't against this defense. But I think it's really just kind of keeping things close in the first, you know, quarter or two of the game and then coming out in the second half and and just kind of, you know, just running away with it. And I think it's also worth knowing, too, obviously we're recording this before we see any sort of injury reports, but – uh, I think it was Jonathan Allen. There was one other player I'm drawing a blank on right now. I think it was – it might have been both of their their corners, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, both of them had been having some injuries, and obviously uh, Jonathan Allen as well. So, I mean, they're not going to be healthy anyway. Uh, plus, they don't have they don't have Darius Geis at running back. He's on IR right now. Um, Trent uh, – Trent, was it Trent Williams? Trent Williams, yep. The, uh, Trent Williams, uh, he's you – know, Off tackle. I mean, he's he's out right now. They got I can't even remember who they have starting in place. Am right now. So, I mean, it's it's set up to where the Bears should go in and win. I'm I'm not overthinking it nearly as much as I was the Broncos game. I mean, obviously, until the Bears can come out and string together a good performance or two, I'm not going to feel overly confident. Like, yeah, this is a game they're automatically going to win. I'm worried about it. Uh, but this is absolutely a game that they should win. They they match up very well. I mean, the Bears have still have a very good defense. I think that Case Keenum is going to present um, multiple turnover opportunities for them to kind of really get things going on that side of the ball. Uh, and then obviously offensively for the Bears, they're playing a defense that simply isn't that good. They've lost a lot of talent. Uh, Josh Norman is basically just toast all the time. I mean, the dude just gets just roasted on a consistent basis. So, I mean, there's really no reason why the Bears shouldn't come out of this game with a win. Um, they just need to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Josh Norman. I think he's kind of just a shell of his old self at this point. I mean, he is something you still have to, something you still have to watch for on the field. But, I mean, yeah, offensively, I mean, the Redskins, Adrian Peterson's going to start again. Uh, Case Keenum will be their quarterback. Terry McLaurin is kind of made a name for himself here in these first two weeks. He's someone to kind of keep an eye out um, going up against this Bears defense. But other than that, I you know, I'm not overconfident. I just I just don't see this game. I don't see the Bears losing this game. I, I also didn't see the Bears losing week one, and I was completely wrong. So I just feel like this is a game coming off an emotional win with the Denver Broncos. It's going to go one or two ways. They're either going to ride this roller coaster with the ups and the downs, and the high is going to be winning this game and winning it like how we want to see them win because – I mean, what do we want to see from this game if the Bears win? We want to see good offensive flow. We want to see Mitchell Trubisky make good throws, throw the ball downfield more. And the defense, you know, you probably much know what you're going to get from the defense. So it's either going to be that or it's going to be a, a low where, the, you know, emotional win last week and now it's just back down to a low with the roller coaster ride. I I, I really, I, I don't know, I hope the Bears win. I think they will. Um, yeah, I, I, I could just see it going one of those two ways. Um, was there anything you want to touch on on the Broncos win anymore, or do you want to get into our predictions and stuff like that? Well, I mean, I think I think we pretty well covered it all. I mean, it's just one of those. I, I think the biggest thing is we just have to hope that it'll follow a similar script maybe a week earlier um, with the Bears in terms of them kind of getting things figured out. Um, th- th- this is one of these games where you know it's it's a conference opponent. They've already started off 0-1 in the division in the conference. Like these are the kind of games that you need to win. If you're going to lose any game over these next three games, as weird as it sounds, it needs to be to the Raiders. Like you need to start when you're talking about playoffs and you're talking about the playoff races and you know just tiebreakers in general. Conference and divisional games are obviously key, and I, I, I think. I think Bears fans will feel a lot more comfortable, obviously, if they win this game because then you've got two more games until the bye. Even if you go one and one, you're still three and two. You come out with a New Orleans team that's not going to have Drew Brees. Um, you got Chargers, which you've done good against. So, I 
I think that even even if they kind of pull that Arizona type situation where they don't win, they they win and it's not a very good game. I think that we can still at least feel confident knowing that the Bears are two and one, and there's a pretty good chance that they'll go at least one and one over the next two games. So it's not a must win. It's definitely not like the Denver game was by any means, uh, but it's 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 an important game because I think that this is where you're going to see somewhat the tone of the season being set. And this is something I talk about on Twitter during the game and right after the game. Uh, just get wins. It doesn't matter how it happens. Just survive, get wins. We saw the same thing last year. They weren't always pretty. Um, you know, they were three and one at one point, really those, those three wins outside of the, outside of the Tampa Bay game were not pretty. They came out of the bye week They lost to, I mean, the game against Buffalo wasn't pretty. The game against the Jets wasn't really pretty in terms of how they won. I mean, the, the Buffalo game was a blowout, but I don't know if you remember the offense barely moved the ball. It was a lot of turnovers. So, and then all of a sudden it was like things clicked and they, then they beat Detroit. They, you know, they blew out Detroit. Then they beat Minnesota, and then they beat Detroit again. And it was like, and then all of a sudden things got going for them. So, again, sometimes you just have to be able to outlast some of the bad and know that you're a good enough team to still win games when you're not playing at your best. And then hopefully, when you're finally at your best and when you finally hit your stride, you've got wins under your belt and you're not in a position where you have to win. It's more of, you know, you're just adding wins onto it and you're either going to get a wild card spot or you're going to get a division spot. So I think in that, in that way, I think this is, this is a big game for the bears just because I think this is going to be one of those games where it's going to kind of set the tone uh, for the rest of the season, or at least until, until the bye week and hopefully they can be in good shape going into the bye week. Well, as our old friend, Lovey Smith loved to say, you take this, season the NFL season by quarters and you kind of evaluate after each quarter and right now the Bears are one and one they'll have the chance to at least you know if they can win on Monday night go to two and one and then you know be 500 at worst if they do lose to the Vikings um ahead of the Raiders trip to London and then the bye week so yeah it'd be, it'd be big win for the Bears ride the momentum you know stay high off of this emotional win and, and go out there and get your second one of the season before we get into our predictions, let's hit our final break of the show, and we'll be right back. Welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. Uh, let's wrap this up, Aaron, with our predictions um, and, and maybe something to watch um, in this game. I'll let you go first this week. Okay. Well, this is going to be kind of lazy. Um, <laughs> for my what to, you know, my, my watching point is going to be Trubisky. I mean, it, it, really, the offense as a whole, but Trubisky, this has got to be the game that he gets going. You're not playing a good defense. I mean, I don't really know how else to put it. You're not playing a good defense. Uh, you know, they're not getting after the quarterback. They're, you know, their DBs in general are just not good. Like, this is the game that Trubisky needs to get back on track. Like, it, I would say all will be forgiven, but I think a lot will be forgotten if he puts – he puts in a good game this week, and then all of a sudden you start seeing that progression kind of like he did last year. Uh, so that's going to be my – big key to watch for and I think that will make a lot of people feel better obviously you know you win you win but if you win and your offense looks good in the process and you kind of relieve some of that pressure and those worries that you have I think that's definitely a good thing uh for prediction uh I'm gonna go ahead and go and again this is kind of feeding off of the offensive side of the ball I'm gonna go 27-17 I understand that they've only scored 19 points total uh all year I think that the Bears offense is finally gonna get it figured out uh may not always be pretty but I think that uh like I said, I think we're going to see Trubisky throw, I'll just say, um, two touchdowns. I think Montgomery will have one rushing, um, and they'll have a few field goals. And I think when you're looking at the 17 points of the Redskins, I think it's going to get to a point where the Bears are going to handle them in the second half, and I think we're going to kind of see 
kind of a prevent look uh, in the fourth quarter where they're probably already going to be up a decent amount and it's not going to be as big of a worry. So, you know, the 17 points isn't really an indictment um, against the Bears defense by any means or saying that the Redskins offense is going to do well. I just think it's going to be one of those games where the Bears are going to have a pretty good amount of control probably from, you know, middle of second quarter on to where, you know, it's just not going to be as tightly played as these last two games. Yeah, so, well, before I give you mine, let me ask you this. What would make you feel comfortable? What what Trubisky, what does Trubisky have to, to do to kind of convince you, okay, he's making some progress? Well, I think, I mean, part of it's going to be the numbers, obviously. Uh, I, I think somewhere right around 280 yards, you know, like I said, two or three touchdowns. But I think the big thing is just kind of, I want to see him comfortable. I want to see him actually know what he looks like he's doing, or, you know, uh, that probably came out weird. I want to see. I want to see from him that he knows what he's doing. Uh, and all post snap. This is not. This is not pre snap. I want to see post snap. I want to see him diagnosing coverages, diagnosing defenses, making the proper reads, not locking onto one read, and 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 you know more importantly, actually making the throws that he should make. I mean, again, this kind of goes back to the whole Tampa Bay thing from last year. You know, I don't give. I don't care if these these receivers are wide open. Um, hit the receivers and make the right reads. That, that's all I'm looking for. Establish yourself some confidence. Put some numbers up. You know, make it look like you haven't looked like crap the first two weeks of the season. You know, I mean, we saw what that one Tampa Bay game did to his overall numbers. It's like you look at his numbers, and he was already like a top 12, top 15 quarterback at that point just because of that one good game. I think things can truly get back on track for what the expectations were moving into the season with a good game. That's just kind of what I'm looking for. Just, just. I'm not even going to say incremental. I, I, I want to see a sizable jump this week. I don't want to see, I think, because I think Trubisky made an incremental jump from what he was week one. I want to see a big jump against bad defense. I, I agree. I'm, I'm right there with you. I just kind of want to get your thoughts on it because I, I, I thought I had what you were going to say, and then you actually hit it spot on. Um, yeah, I'll go for my, you know, mine to watch. I'll actually go over the defensive side of the football. I really want to go Eddie Pinero, but I'm going to go with Roquan Smith because – I did a little tape on him today and did some film review. Man, he is all over the field. The guy is having a great start to his um, second year in the NFL. I believe he's got uh, – he had 13 tackles last week. He's on pace for like – or yeah, 13 tackles against the Broncos. He's on pace for like 144 combined tackles this year, which obviously will probably go down a little bit. But, I mean, he made two really good plays against the Broncos, and I and I really want to see what he can do again. Um, in prime time, his closing speed is just insane for a linebacker. So I'll be watching uh, Roquan Smith and honorable mention. I'm going to watch uh, Eddie Pinero because I want to see if he can build this office consistency, if he can go out there and continue to hit his field goals and make them. So I'll go with my prediction. Um, I think the Bears are going to win. I, I'm going to go a little higher. I think the offense gets it going as well. I think this is finally the week that we see this offense kind of break out. I'm going to go 31 20 bears and i'll say they move uh to two and one on the season and hopefully this gets them going and it's just all fine and smooth uh from here on out fingers crossed i mean they got they yeah. got minnesota the next week after and again historically speaking regardless of how bad the bears have been um against the viking or just in general i mean they've always done very well against the vikings at soldier field but you still want to kind of see them build into that game because that's a big game. One, I mean, they got the same record right now, but two, I mean, getting, getting a game up on Minnesota and kind of gaining some 
control back within the NFC North, I think, is going to be big as well. So I agree. Uh, this this is a big game just moving forward into uh, – because my mindset, obviously, still the Bears are, should be a playoff team. So hopefully that will be the case. And I think a big part of that is going to be building off of, you know, what happened last week and into this week and, and, and really just – putting together a, a quality performance on both sides of the ball. I mean, that's just something that you kind of want to see right now. And like you said, stacking those, you know, conference and division wins um, for tie-breaking purposes later on in the year. Uh, Aaron, thanks again for joining me, man. Um, what is, where can, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? You can find me at Aaron Lenny NFL. You can also uh, read all my stuff on thebearreport.com. Try to be more active on the message boards. I keep forgetting to do that, but you can at least uh, find my work on the message boards as well, so that's a plus. Yes, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com as well. We'll be back next week, um, hopefully recapping a Bears win and then previewing a divisional showdown with the Minnesota Vikings. We'll try to get a Vikings guest on to kind of break down um, our friends from up north and how they're doing. So until next time, please rate, review, and subscribe on all major podcasting platforms, and we'll talk to you next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.